The content of this podcast should not be considered financial or investment advice. All interviews and discussions are opinions only, and the podcast has been created without taking into consideration the listener's objectives, financial situation, or needs. Listeners should consider obtaining independent advice before making any financial decisions. So welcome to this edition of the Stockhead Wildcatter. I'm Peter Strachan and today we're delighted to have something a little bit different on our energy review. We're talking to a zinc bromide maker, manufacturer, uh, Australian company, uh, Redflow. And uh, Redflow has developed some very exciting uh, battery technology, which enables uh, the storage of 10 kilowatt hours of uh, power in a uh, in a battery uh, which is very uh, flexible and today we're excited to have uh, Tim Harris who's the managing director and chief executive officer of uh, Redflow uh, to talk with us uh, thanks for coming in Tim good morning Peter great to be here thank you Tim uh, you've been with the company now for nearly 20 months uh, and I'm just wondering, uh, you've had a, a bit of a background in telecommunications and so forth, and I'm wondering what attracted you to come to a business such as a startup business such as Redflow, and how has your previous experience informed your decisions and what skills do you bring? Thanks, Peter. Well, I, you know, I, I joined um, uh, Redflow at the back end of uh, March and of, uh, of last year, um, after a three-year three year period uh, in New Zealand um, and then before that working for 10 years for, for British Telecom, most of that time in Asia. Um, with a Brisbane-based wife, I think we, as a family, we decided to, to relocate um, to Brisbane at the start of last year and, and look, came across Redflow um, at, I think, a pretty interesting point in, uh, in its journey and evolution. And look, I think the things that, that really attracted me to, um, to Redflow are, are really kind of threefold. Um, one... I'm always attracted professionally, and I think um, others are also to companies and organisations that have a really strong purpose. And I think we all agree that climate change is probably going to be the defining issue of our generation. And look, I think Redflow and our purpose that we have of bringing renewable energy storage um, to that ecosystem sits at the heart of that. Um, the other part that attracted me to the company was was clearly um, its innovative um, position. You know, we are disruptive technology, we're a new technology, but one that we think has got enormous potential. Um, so something that's bringing you know, a high amount of innovation um, to the industry, we think is, um, we think is really positive. And, and look, lastly, you look at opportunities that you think you, where you can kind of add some value. And from the journey that, the, the long journey that Redflow has been on, um, and I think that need to sort of pivot the company to be more customer and commercial focused, it's something where I thought that I could, uh, based on my background, I could uh, bring a bit of a bring a bit of value, and and that's blending, you know, the technology that we've got really with that strong customer and commercial focus, and, and building those capabilities necessary for us to be commercially successful. That's right, and I think it's an interesting product because people talk about batteries and they think about the things they put in their torches, they think about um, what goes in the back of their iPhone, um, but it's it's like uh, thinking about uh, telephones. You can talk about a telephone like the thing that used to hang on the wall in the kitchen or the thing that we used to all lug around as a sort of mobile phone, and then, of course, came the iPhone, and the iPhone <laughs> is such a different sort of a quantum leap ahead of uh, the old analogue sort of uh, phones that we used to have. And I think 
uh, when I've looked at uh, Redflow's technology, um, its you know power storage solution, if you like, is so much more advanced than the than the batteries in inverted commas that we've seen with lead acid and others that have come before it. Look, I think that's right. Look, I mean, uh, it, when you when you say that you know Redflow has been a company that's been around since two thousand and five, it, it seems you know that's a long time ago, and and I can't remember when the first iPhone was. Uh, was introduced, but certainly it wasn't um, too much um, uh, before that. About five years before that. I remember the yeah. scene from Sex in the City when uh, the, the woman is, someone says, give me a phone, and she someone gives her an iPhone and she looks at it puzzled and like, throws it away, you know, because <laughs> it doesn't mean anything to her. And I think, you know, really the market is now looking at uh, your product and going, oh, how does this work? You know, you know, where does where's the where's the positive end and where's the negative? Well, I think that's right, Peter. And look, I, I think you know, back in two thousand and five, you know, um, renewable energy and energy storage really didn't have the, the importance or the headlines that it does today. And I think where we fast forward um, to to where we are today, I think people recognise that you know we want to move to a renewable energy future and having dispatchable energy when you need it. Um, is core to that, and, and really energy storage sits at the very heart of that future. And I think as a, as a flow battery technology, um, we have a real role to play in that ecosystem that is now starting to be appreciated much more, even, you know, three, four, five years ago. So your predecessor in the role was Simon Hackett, who's well known in the telecommunications area. Hmm. And Simon really stumbled upon the company, liked it so much, bought a bunch of shares and ended up being the executive chairman for a number of years whilst the company was basically figuring out what to do with this technology and designing and building the product which you now uh, sell. And it seems to me that Red Flows, as you say, the product is at the right time. It's the right product for the right time when we're looking to shift energy uh, generation from those intermittent renewable sources of wind and photovoltaic mm. so that we've actually got secure power supply. Look, I think that's right, Peter. And, you know, it's, you know, Redflow has had a long history. And look, I think it's fair to say that a, a few times the company has thought itself ahead of um, where it probably was in reality, just with regards to the maturity of the, of the product and our ability to produce a high quality battery at, at reasonable volumes. And I think as uh, people who are familiar with Redflow will know, you know, we made a decision um, about two years ago to relocate our manufacturing facility from an outsourced um, relationship uh, in Mexico through to one that um, we brought that in-house and relocated to Thailand. And look, I think that has a number of advantages that we're starting to see through that we can control the materials that go into our battery um, and we can control the supply chain and also the quality and flex that manufacturing facility up and down. So whereas I think manufacturing and, and the product was maybe a major challenge for the company, uh, we think that where we stand today, that's a, that's a major source of strength. And uh, we now have a manufacturing facility that can scale up according to the sales growth that we're targeting. So, Tim, um, Stockhead Wildcatter listeners may not be as familiar with the product as I am. Mm. So I just wonder if you could run through some of the characteristics of this battery and what you see as being its particular um, niche areas in the market that you mm. would be focusing so, on. Look, fundamentally, Redflow designs and manufactures zinc bromine flow batteries. Um, and we produce um, what we consider the, the smallest commercially available um, flow battery in the world. Now, when you look at uh, flow batteries, flow batteries have a number of different characteristics than either lithium or lead acid batteries. 
Um, whereas we often liken uh, lithium batteries to a sprinter, um, so very well suited to when you need frequency response um, services like you do with Tesla down in, uh, down in South Australia um, or power charging for your electric vehicles. Um, we often liken flow batteries to much more of a marathon runner um, where you need to use fairly predictable um, moderate power usage but on an ongoing basis. And whereas um, with other normal batteries, you want to use those, um, those batteries as least as possible, we actually like being used. And the other differentiating feature that we see in our batteries um, is that you can charge the battery up to 100% and discharge the battery down to zero. And uh, in other technologies, if you did that, you would kill the battery really quickly. So we see ourselves very much as a workhorse of the renewable energy um, storage ecosystem. Um, and we have a number of other advantages um, across other uh, technologies um, such that you know we are a 10-year battery so we um, warranty our battery in terms of the power output the same as in day one as in um, day 365 of, a, of our 10-year warranty. Um, we can operate in very high temperature conditions so with other chemistries um, when you get over sort of 30 odd degrees you need to invest significantly in air cooling um, otherwise you will uh, kill those batteries really quickly. Uh, that's right. I've seen uh, pictures of the, mm. the lithium-ion batteries that are going up in the Pilbara, for instance, and they all come in a in a refrigerated container. So uh, quite a large percentage of the power that goes into that storage system is actually used to keep the whole system cool because my engineering mates tell me that once you get above about 26 degrees Celsius, those lithium-ion batteries uh, begin to... Uh, That's right. And, and and what we've also know is that when you require air conditioning, A, it's expensive in terms of CapEx. Um, and then secondly, it's, it requires an ongoing maintenance type cost as well. And as you mentioned before, it has a, quite a strong parasitic load. So even though you're generating that renewable energy, you're using a proportion of that to cool the system so you can those batteries can operate as you need them to. So look, we have a number of those kind of characteristics of the of the batteries that we have. Uh, look, a couple more that I would like to mention um, is the fact um, that we have um, we don't have the risk of what's called thermal runaway. So with lithium batteries, because you have so much energy stored in those conditions, if you put those batteries under stress, um, there is a risk that those batteries may explode and be accretive to a fire solution that, that occurs around you. Um, we don't have that risk, and uh, actually bromine is often used as a fire retardant um, in other industries. So for those sectors and those end customers that are uh, deeply um, cognizant of the risk of thermal runaway with lithium batteries, we're, we're very well suited to that. Look, the only other thing I would mention um, for us is, is what, our, what we believe we have a strong story about is what we call kind of product stewardship. Um, our batteries don't use um, any conflict uh, minerals. Um, we have higher energy density than vanadium um, flow batteries and, and lead acid. Um, and we can actually refurbish our electrolyte, which is, uh, sits at the core of our battery, to extend the life. And most of our battery is actually made up of um, uh, heavy-duty plastics. So the recycling story and journey that we can have with our battery at, its end of this, at the end of its life, we think is, uh, presents a, a strong story compared to, I think, uh, uh, the lithium industry that is, I think, just starting to grapple um, with the, the, te the technical um, and economic challenges of, uh, of disposal of, of uh, lithium batteries at the end of life.
Yeah, and, and so far we really don't know when that end of life would be for a zinc bromide battery because they've only been tested to a certain level and after that they're as, they're as good as the day they began to work. So we don't know exactly how long they're going to last. Look, that's right. Look, we, 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 we're very excited about that and, look, I think for a number of our customers that are starting to think about that element of product stewardship, um, you know, we, we provide a solution that we, we can be proud of and those environmental credentials we think are, are a core part of our story. Yeah, and I said you mentioned the flow other flow battery technology, which is Australian mm. invented, which is vanadium. But unfortunately, that has the unfortunate side effect of having uh, produces hydrogen gas as a byproduct. So the zinc bromide batteries don't produce any toxic sort of gases. Or, Look, or, that's, or that's right. Look, we think we we have a number of couple of other advantages over um, vanadium, which is the other key main flow battery technology. Um, one one is that. Um, uh, we have a much higher energy density than the vanadium. So our battery basically delivers for the same amount of electrolyte liquid, about five times the energy of a, of a sort of similar um, vanadium system. Um, I think from a commercial point of view, um, we have a lower cost per kilowatt hour. So we're not exposed to that uh, expensive and volatile cost of the core vanadium mineral, um, which sits at the heart of, uh, of vanadium batteries. But look, look I think on a macro note, we do support the, the growing use of uh, uh, vanadium batteries in the ecosystem because I, we do feel that that, um, again, reinforces um, the role that flow batteries can play in, in the broader energy ecosystem. Yeah, each battery has its own technical uh, advantages and, and I think uh, in one situation you've got uh, 10 or 12 of your batteries alongside a couple of uh, lithium-ion batteries in Thailand, for instance, and that you know. Look, that's absolutely right, Peter. And you know, we, we sometimes don't think it's a it's it's an all question. I think you know the, the market is increasingly moving to an and question. So, when you want regular use and and deep cycling um, of batteries, that's really where flow um, batteries are very well suited. When you want to manage the peaks and the spikes of sort of unforecasted demand, that's where lithium batteries have a really key role. So we we do see the the technologies as being complementary. Um, uh, to each other. So uh, that brings us to the key issue, I guess, which is the uh, the, the actual market for the batteries. Um, you've identified some pretty spectacular numbers in telecommunications in Asia and elsewhere. Uh, so what's the company identified with telecommunications uh, and other other developments that are, that oh, are look, happening look, in Australia? We, in terms of the, the main target markets that we have, you know, we, we believe that we've got a role across multiple geographies and um, uh, and industries and, and applications. And we often get sort of weekly inquiries all the way from, I think, Chile to Alaska uh, about our battery. But, you know, as a, as a small company, as, as you would appreciate, Peter, we have to be have a pretty relentless focus in terms of our prioritisation. And one of the key areas that we've been focusing on over the last 12 months has just been around the telco space. Um, uh, why telco? Um, firstly, that we think the market is is pretty large. Um, there's about four million telco base stations globally that is kind of growing at about five percent per annum. And the fact that we are the smallest flow battery in the world means that we can participate in that market that other flow batteries can't. Um, most of the major growth that we're seeing um, in those markets is in those kind of areas where there is poor or limited grid connection. And that's mostly in places like in Africa and also in Asia. And so that means for your backup or your core energy use, you really want the batteries to work. And as I've highlighted before, 
that's really where our battery and our flow battery really fits in. You know, strong workhorse. It can work in uh, in challenging environments uh, and uh, have that role either in um, uh, where you have uh, off grid type situations uh, for base stations, which are in kind of poor grid situations, or even as a backup um, augmenting peak costs. And even in uh, microgrids here in Western Australia, uh, Western Power is you know losing money on on pumping energy out to uh, small communities, and they figured now that they'd be better off putting in photovoltaic or even some wind, uh, backed up by a bunch of uh, batteries. And of course, uh, your battery, even though it's ten kilowatt hours, if you put ten of them together, it's a hundred kilowatts. And if you put a hundred of them together, you know you've got like a, a megawatt. Um, and uh, they find that it's cheaper to do that and perhaps have a, a backup sort of diesel or gas generator, which you might run, you know, one or two or five days a year, uh, much cheaper to do that than to actually run power along powers, uh, poles and wires for 20 kilometres. Look, I think that's right, and I think that's also driven by a number of factors. I mean, one of the key drivers that we that we all know um, is the fact that uh, um, uh, the, the declining cost of PV over the last 10 years has really driven... Um, a lot of the economics around battery storage, um, both at the industrial level, at the commercial level, and also at the residential kind of level as well. And so um, I think a lot of those drivers are starting to build the business case when the alternative is spending, you know, sometimes hundreds of millions of dollars in the normal kind of um, poles and wires type solution, whereas actually, you know, um, grid independence um, and a mini grid type thing is actually the most logical and economic choice within which to, uh, within which to pursue. Um, so, look, we're very excited. Look, there's there's multiple markets that we can uh, and do participate in, but, look, we, we feel that we've made some really strong traction um, in the telco space um, in the last, over the last kind of uh, six to eight months. And we think that it's attractive for us for probably, you know, five reasons. You know, it's a large market. We think because of some of our characteristics, we're very relevant to the needs um, of those markets, particularly in Africa where... Um, you have poor grid environments and battery theft of lithium and lead acid is a real uh, major issue. Um, you have immediacy. So I think in, in, the, in the telco space, we're not trying to prove the business case for battery and energy storage. We're just trying to displace other competing technologies. And then clearly, I think in, in the telco space, you have, um, you know, you have immediate scalability and replicability across, you know, both within a large telco, but also those needs are the same across multiple telcos across our target markets. So, look, you know, the, the opportunity for Redflow is global. Um, I think we're, what we need to do, um, what we have been doing, is just concentrating and getting a couple of those major beachheads in our target markets up and running so we can get some, you know, some, some rapid sales growth in those areas. So um, Redflow now has about 915 million shares out and at five cents that gives the company a market capitalisation of just under 46 uh, million and you've got uh, five or six million dollars I think in the bank. Oh, look, you look at the, you the, the latest of the 4C results but um, I think it's around seven million but yeah I mean we I think uh, Peter is we've been clear um, in terms of regular um, engagements with the investment community you know we are still in a cash burn Situation, um, and we and we think that's necessary, um, just because you know we have over the last twelve to eighteen months we have started to set the foundations for a scalable business, and uh, to do that, you know, that takes a certain amount of cash, and you know, we we are not yet at that kind of cash flow positive um, break forward position, but I certainly think over the last twelve months we've made some 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 huge steps forward in terms of our ability to do that, not only in terms of a 
reliable products, um, the, the ISO 9001 accredited manufacturing facility that can scale up up to 55 megawatt hours. And then I think probably, you know, a, a commercial capability uh, and sales um, capability that's probably was uh, needed to be upweighted and as we start to look into being a commercial organisation. And I think that the progress that we've made in the last six months of getting some of these initial uh, contracts with these customers like this telco in South Africa, like the recent announcement that we had with the Rural Connectivity Group in New Zealand, sets the foundation for that because, as we all know, those organisations are, are capable of uh, of ordering you know significant volumes of our battery and we've done you know a lot of the hard work I believe over the last 12 months to prove our battery um, in the labs and uh, and run through hoops like health and safety and governance and other things so you've also got a, a 10 battery bank going in China as a demonstration at the moment how's that going and when are we likely to hear any uh, outcome from so that look, uh, test look we've been delighted with the um, with, with that demonstration project in the Qinghai province. Um, I think as uh, as regular sort of followers of Redflow might know and appreciate, um, uh, China is a potentially large strategic uh, market for us, given the emphasis on energy storage and I think a focus on flow batteries um, in the in the, the country itself. And uh, China has one of the, or the largest current flow battery installation um, in the world. So um, we made the decision working with um, a fellow Zimbrainline operator called Zbest Power um, uh, to to uh, provide ten of our batteries for a 100 kilowatt hour demonstration system uh, in the Qinghai province. And the Qinghai province is is important because it is one of the key hubs for uh, renewable energy in China. Um, so that's been going for about uh, four or five months now. I was up there uh, in September of this year um, uh, as we were the only Western company presenting at the China um, Energy Storage Alliance conference um, in Qiying in the Qinghai province. And we've generated a really significant amount of, uh, of interest, both from the private sector and the public sector, um, uh, about our battery and what it can do. And look, I think there's nothing like um, pointing to a reference deployment to, to prove to people what the battery can do. And, and so we're delighted with that decision to those batteries in there and, and we continue to uh, advance and explore additional commercial opportunities in the country. Well, Tim, I think that's been a really tour de force and I would urge uh, the Wildcatter listeners to go to your website and have a look at some of the pods that you've put up. I certainly have enjoyed looking at those and uh, we will look forward to seeing you again early in the new year uh, when you've uh, got some numbers on the table. I'm sure I could ask you, you know, how many batteries you're going to sell by the end of Christmas, but you won't tell me. So, so uh, uh, or what you'd like to sell in the uh, in the March quarter of next year. Uh, and I'm sure you've got a number in your head, but, um, you know, ASIC might be listening to this and you haven't announced that, so we're not going to actually go down that path. Well, I mean, <laughs> uh, I, I, think, I think what I can say, Peter, is, you know, as, as in our latest 4C, you know, we did say that, you know, our revenue numbers that we achieved in Q1 of this year um, exceeded the total revenue that we did in the previous financial year. And so, look, it's been it's been hard work and we've had to invest a lot of time and effort, I think, in sort of re-establishing red flow in the market. But clearly we want to continue that momentum and, um, uh, you know, leverage some of these uh, deployments that we're starting to do and uh, really drive the business forward. So, no, no and unfortunately I can't give any forecasts and, uh, uh, at this stage, but, uh, look, we're pleased with the progress that we've made so far this year and clearly our goal is to... It's, it's, 
and you're busily uh, educating and training uh, uh, partners, you know, the microgrid uh, partners who are out there around Australia and the rest of the world so they know how your battery works and how to... Look, that's right, Peter. And, you, know, you know, one of the great things about being the leader in the world is that you're doing things that other people um, don't. On the downside, you know, you need to spend a reasonable amount of time just educating and engaging with the customers because our battery just has such different characteristics to a normal lithium and lead acid battery. And we've had to go through that process, particularly with the big customers that are depending on our battery for their critical infrastructure like um, mobile and tower companies. But look, we, we think we've crossed that. And look, I would characterise that um, a lot of our corporate customers are highly interested in what our battery can do because they do see the limitations of existing technologies. We have had to go through, I think, a, a period of testing our battery, getting them to understand our battery and start to be comfortable with our battery before they start more rollouts. But that's the activity that we've been focused on over the last 12 months. And, you know, that's backed by, I think, a, you know, a refreshed quality partner ecosystem both here in Australia that we're clearly looking to, so, so both in Australia and, and our other target markets, that we're clearly looking to expand over the next 12 months. Okay, well, thanks very much, Tim. I think it's fair to say and and, and finish on the on the uh, conclusion that the company is opportunity rich, and uh, and uh, working hard to uh, to get those batteries out into the market. So thank you for your time, and we'll look forward to catching up again uh, next year uh, to see how progress has been made. Thanks for that.